Welcome to Alpha's Next, folks. Uh, we're doing two days in a row here, which is an accomplishment for me lately. You know, I have many important obligations. I have to enumerate um, the entire population of the United States. Well, not not, not the whole thing. Just one little slice of it. So, uh, fill out your census forms, folks. Go online. If you don't like these enumerators, we got people calling the cops on these people. We got people threatening restraining orders. Uh, you know, your federal government needs to know how many people are out there. And uh, we, are, I say we because I am now a sworn officer of the federal government for the moment. Um, you know, we're going to send you money. We're going to give you power. We're going to, uh, you know... Uh, the state's going to use this data to redistrict. Um, and so, we need to count you, you know? Stand up and be counted. Uh, just go online, fill the thing out. <clears throat> you may get notices of visits. Notices of visits from our enumerators, our intrepid enumerators. Take it to the computer or even your phone. Fill it out. Don't sue us. Don't call the cops on us. So anyway, that keeps me kind of busy and actually pays some of the bills. So what's not to like? <clears throat> um, so I still am, though, watching CNBC, so you don't. But one thing I won't do is watch uh, the conventions. Uh, I gave up watching political speeches, uh, I think, sometime in the Clinton administration because I could just couldn't stand listening to Bill Clinton lie you know i mean it was so obvious to me that he was full of it i'm i'm not even saying he was a bad president but he i could just not stomach his rhetoric and uh you know then bush was not an easy guy to listen to although i like bush better than clinton i'm not saying he was a better president but i i think i kind of felt sorry for him you know because he was such a he wasn't as dumb as people thought, but his mangling of the English language was very painful for me. Then um, who was after him? Oh, Obama. Uh, never liked really listening to him, although his rhetoric certainly, you know, compared to what we got now, uh, I have to admit, he kind of grew on me, especially after he left office for all the things he tried to do for Chicago, although Chicago has uh, done everything it can to try to reject his largesse, and, uh, you know, not Trump, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I can listen to Trump more for the, the, the humor, <laughs> you know, he's good for a few laughs, but, you know, he's, I just, I stopped listening to these political speeches live a long time ago. Um, the one thing I did catch was Obama's speech at the, I think it was the 2004 uh, Democratic Convention uh, when he rose to national prominence, when he was just a representative from Illinois. And he gave this speech about uniting people and bringing people together, and then, then of course, he became president and did probably the opposite. So, um, <clears throat> which seems to be the way of the world now with politics. Uh, 
so I don't listen. I don't, I'm not going to watch the Republican convention or the Democratic convention, so you don't have to. You'll have to watch that yourself. But what, uh, what I did hear today was from people who did watch it, and I talked to two people who I listened to intensely, my f- two financial advisors. I've got one guy from BMO, and they handle my you know, conventional 60-40 investments, 60% equity, 40% debt, bonds. And, uh, and then I just switched from Chase, because Chase fired my guy. I had this uh, investment guy that, uh, you know, I mean, he wasn't like, you know, Warren Buffett, but he was pretty good. And he was a 14-year veteran with a law degree, a nice guy. He used to have these long talks about this and that. And, uh, you know, I could go down and see him in person. And they just fired him without, you know, one day I get a letter saying I got a new advisor and I thought it was a mistake, so I call him up and he's gone. Uh, for no good reason, as far as I was able to tell. So I switched to another guy who actually is with Mass Mutual, but he runs a kind of unique type of practice. And he's a pretty progressive guy, and my uh, my other guy, BMO, is pretty conservative. So today I had reason to talk with both of them, and I said, hey, where do you see this market going? Because I was ready to lighten up. I think we're about as high as we can get on the S&P. Uh, maybe get another couple hundred points upside, so all the risk is to the downside. And I figured they would say, oh, yeah, good idea. You got to... You got capital gains taxes going up if Biden gets elected, and you got riots in the streets if Trump gets reelected. Either way, it's a lose lose. Um, well, that's not what they said. They they were both for different reasons, moderately uh, bullish. And uh, the the perspective is this, and this was on both sides really the aisle from two very different financial institutions. Uh, the logic of it is this, that number one, if you think about it, um, while we've had some gains in the market, we're really back to where we were at the beginning of the year. So you're not going to have all that many capital gains to take. Number two, uh, both of them think that if Biden wins, he's probably not going to raise taxes in 2021. Um, If he did... And this is something I'm not quite sure on. It might not kick in until the 2021 tax year, which wouldn't affect 2020. Uh, but but both both of these folks felt that, uh, you know, it's not going to be as big a deal as I thought. And, uh, you know, we do know that the market does not react to riots. I mean, we've, you know, if the market was going to dump on the riots, it would have dumped in May. It didn't do it. And, and indeed, they did pass, despite my, uh, my fears. So, um, so I decided that um, I still may liquidate some of my holdings uh, because I've got some debt I want to pay down. But um, I decided that between the two of them, it wasn't going to be as choppy as I thought. Now, I will tell you, my partner... Uh, in our investment uh, operation is more negative than uh, both of these uh, advisors. But they do it for a living, and he doesn't. You know, we're just 
frankly doing it as sort of a side hustle at this point. But, um, you know, I'm going to kind of go with the pros here. So maybe you should hang in. I mean, nobody ever went broke taking profits, and my partner is taking profits. So um, there's that. But, um, you know, these, these folks work for big institutions, and my partner actually has a day job at a big institution, too, which is more of a, you know, upper white shoe type of a firm. So, I don't know, maybe he's getting that from his folks. But, you know, it's like two to one in favor of a fairly uh, stable market toward the end of the year. So I thought that was interesting. And uh, today we actually did put on our positions uh, for Moderna. And I'll, I'll just tell you right out what it is. And we're putting our own money where our mouth is here. So we feel that, you know, Trump is going to win his tug of war with the FDA to do an emergency approval. And the two uh, front, three front runners really are Moderna and uh, also Pfizer in cooperation with a small German biotech called... Uh, BioNTech, <clears throat> which which does uh, it's on the market here as a what they call an American depository receipt, so you can trade it, and you can also trade I think options on it. And the third uh, one is AstraZeneca in partnership with a, an Oxford, as in the Oxford University uh, in in the UK, uh, research entity that that does work on on original original pharmaceutical R&D. So AstraZeneca is going to be commercializing that. So uh, of those three, <coughs> the easiest trade is, the trade at least we selected, was Moderna. So we used options, and we basically did what's called a risk reversal. And that involved selling puts. I think we went at either 50 or 60 and we spread it, so we're selling a 50 or 60 put, and then we're doing a $10 wide spread, meaning we sell one put and buy another leg down by $10. $10. And basically what that means is you're selling insurance on the price of Moderna. So uh, the person on the other side of the trade is long Moderna, and they want to protect themselves below 50 or 60. We're selling them that insurance policy. So um, we lose money on that leg of the trade if the stock goes below our the strike we sold, which is either 60 or 50. And, uh, <clears throat> but our losses are limited to 10 bucks a share. And then we bought $70 calls, all of this in the October monthly expiration. So uh, that trade is, a, is, is also called a cannonball. And what it means is we've got unlimited uh, upside from that trade. And when you sell uh, the put spread, the insurance policy, and then you buy the call, uh, you know, they, sometimes you can do those trades for free. And, of course, you are at risk if, if the stock goes below below your, your insurance policy is sold. But um, if it goes up to 90 or 100 or 150, you know, that's pure profit. And that's the kind of trades we're going to be looking at here. So uh, the other trade I think we're going to put on 
Pfizer has a partner called, uh, as I said, BioNTech. Uh, so I think we're going to do a similar trade on BioNTech. And you might ask yourself, why aren't we doing Pfizer? Well, uh, Pfizer is such a big company that, you know, if they do a vaccine, first of all, they're going to want a lot of pressure not to gouge. So the pricing won't be that robust. Whereas Moderna's pricing is, they're going to get like 35 bucks a dose, which sounds like a bargain to me, but you know they're getting heat about gouging. I mean, it's crazy. How much is your life worth? And, uh, you know, you can, if I buy a box of masks, it costs me $35. And this thing could prevent me from getting it. So, but uh, Astra's talking about four bucks because... They, they may have to pay some kind of royalty to Oxford, but, uh, you know, and Astra's a huge company, big in oncology, a friend of mine works there. I mean, Astra's huge. So at four bucks a dose, this isn't going to move the needle. Maybe they make a buck a dose on it, you know, which is a billion dollars, okay. But that's just another billion-dollar drug for them. So, uh, and you can't, obviously, Oxford is not something you can buy shares in. So... Uh, the two trades we like are the BioNTech and the uh, Moderna. And we're also looking at some what they call first derivatives. There's a company that makes the stuff for Moderna we want to invest in and, uh, you know, uh, some other stuff. The other uh, tip I heard the other day was that uh, HP, Hewlett Packard Enterprises, symbol HPE, and this has, I don't think, anything to do with the COVID virus, but... Uh, apparently HP, which has been dead money for years, has some kind of technology. I don't know if it has to do with 5G or whatever, but um, I heard this from somebody who heard it from somebody who used to work for HP and understands the technology. It's like some electrical engineering thing. So that's something to keep an eye out on. Um, It's only a $9 stock. You know, stock basically is an option, so... You want to take a flyer on that. I think we're going to take some kind of a position in that. Uh, because if we see a target of opportunity, we're not going to pass it up just because it's not biotech. You know what I mean? Uh, other things we're looking at is, you know, if we do get a vaccine, uh, there's just, there's some shares that are still beat up um, that we think will pop when the vaccine comes through. Uh, the airlines, the cruise lines... Uh, some of the work, the gym, fitness companies, uh, you know, anything that got beat up from the COVID uh, in terms of their business being suppressed, there may be some plays there. I don't know if we're going to do that, but they make sense. And the thing is, it's a psychology trade there because I don't think people are going to get back on cruise lines. I mean, I never went on cruises. I certainly wouldn't now. But the perception in the market may be, as the market look, looks forward, you know, in a couple of years, I think you're probably going to be back on the, uh, the big boats. Because the uh, people don't understand this, but the, vi- the, the vaccines are only 50% effective. If you get 5 or 10 vaccines, though, and they work in 5 or 10 different patient cohorts, then, you know, and you may have cocktails, uh, then that, I think, is going to, when you piece them all together, they may have a, a herd immunity or community immunity effect. But in and of itself, one virus, 
or one vaccine is only going to be effective in 50% of people. It's going to take a while to make it and uh, distribute it. And it's the kind of thing where you got to give it to everybody in the world. You know, it's 7 billion doses. And half of the covidiots out there and the anti-vaxxers aren't going to take it, which is crazy. I mean, I may not take it day one, but uh, I sure will take it. I'll take as many as they got, you know. I mean, being one breath from death, you don't, you don't screw around with this stuff. So uh, the other play I heard that I like is CVS, because the idea is that somebody's going to have to, uh, you know, distribute these. And these are injectables. Several of them are injectables, at least. So um, CVS is kind of beat up, evidently, so that would be a play. I guess Walgreens would be too, but I'm not a big Walgreens fan. So uh, the other thing I heard today that I'll pass along is we were going to go with XBI and XBB, which are ETFs in the biotech, as kind of our core holding. A guy I respect today, uh, the reformed broker, Josh Brown, uh, he sold off his positions in this yesterday, thinking that it's pretty much pretty top. He doesn't like the charts, so... I think we're going to stay away from that with our with our core holding here and just kind of, you know, take positions in, in biotechs where we think there's an upside because I, I kind of agree with that. XBI and XBB have kind of run their course, a little toppy. So if there's a correction, we might want to jump in there. But, um, you know, those indexes don't move um, that much because it's like, I don't know, 100 stocks or whatever. So we may just forego that and, you know, stay in cash for what we're not deploying and just deploy it on the plays like we're talking about today. So, you know, and I'll be very transparent about these trades we put on so you can see how we do. You can follow along at home. And if you want, if you know how to do options, uh, you know, you can feel free to do it, you know, if you want to just mimic us. If you don't want to do it and you're not that obviously option savvy i mean the reason to play with us is that number one we study this we follow it every day uh i myself have you know 30 40 years of experience in this business as a real close observer not a you know participant but that means i don't have any conflicts of interest and secondly you know we know how to use leverage with the options market like this moderna trade um, you know, basically we probably put it on for free or very little. So we really, our downside risk is only 10 bucks, um, uh, a share and the upside, you know, Moderna could go to 150. So you've got an $80 upside with a $10 risk. That's a, that's an eight to one, uh, winner potentially. So, um, so again, the way we're doing this is not going to be in a GPLP thing or an LLC thing. Uh, we're just going to put together a note, uh, you know, with the full faith and credit of Terry Nugent. And we're only doing friends and family. And uh, so you got a little credit risk, you know, but you know where to find me. And uh, then we'll we'll put together a structure so that you participate in the upside and you know, ideally, we're going to try to, <clears throat> you know, guarantee your principal back. So, uh, with with the debt side of the, the equation. So, that's the way we're going to do it. And what it means is that you got a one-pager or whatever that's a, just a, a basically an, an unsecured uh, credit note. 
instead of going through an 80-page, uh, you know, Delaware corporate GPLP agreement, which I thought was just overkill, if we, you know, if we get bigger on this <clears throat> and we start to do perfect strangers versus what we're referring to as friends and family, and most of the people who listen to this are people I've known for years, so uh, we think we're in a pretty good regulatory place, safe harbor type of thing. If, if it gets bigger, then we're going to have to go through a formal structure. But at the moment, I thought that was just ridiculous. So, um, you know, it's kind of like, trust me. It's like the old Sledgehammer series. I used to love that. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. And then he would, like, destroy a building with his big old magnum. But um, now, in this case, you know, you got to trust somebody. Why not me? And we, I think we do have a pretty good handle on what we're doing here. I think there's a very, very limited downside if we structure these trades properly. Very limited downside, very high upside, and that's what alpha seekers seek. And again, you know, I had this conversation with somebody today. You know, we're talking about take 1% of your investable assets, you know, and if you've got, you know, if you get a million dollars, and hopefully you do, because um, we we would like to kind of restrict it to accredited investors. You know, one percent of your investables ten thousand dollars, which is a nice number for us to work with. And uh, the more money we get into this, the the more positions we can take. Because if you if you have uh, options positions, the the yeah, I forget what they call it. The custodian of the funds uh, is going to want to, you know, make sure you have enough money in there to fund your, uh, if the worst thing, they always have to worry about if the worst thing happens, you know. So uh, you have to have enough margin to cover the downside of these trades. So number one, we could do more positions. And number two, we can, we can increase the size of our positions. Uh, so, you know, that's all good. And uh, if we hit some of this stuff, you know, if we can take your ten grand and turn it into eighty grand, that's great. And if we can't, you know, uh, we should certainly be able to return your ten grand. So, um, so that's what we're up to. And uh, yeah, as long as the scale's okay, I've certainly got enough to enough cash arena to to make good on the lending. So uh, not to worry. And uh, that's the pitch. And I think I can give the pitch now that we're not regulated by the SEC. And so I'm doing it. And, uh, you know, if, I, if I'm getting bad legal advice, you know, come see me in jail. So, uh, so that's about the size of it for tonight, folks. I'm excited that we're finally uh, moving forward on this. We placed our first trade. And uh, I am hopeful that we will succeed. So, meanwhile, uh, live long, prosper, stay safe, wear your mask. And we'll go from there and fill out your senses, guys. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Imagine there's music playing. <laughs>